You are listening to the Vine Church Sermon Podcast. Thanks for joining us. For more information about the Vine Church, please visit our website at www.thevinemadison.org. Children, it is the last hour, and as you have heard that Antichrist is coming, so now many Antichrists have come. Therefore, we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out, that it might become plain that they all are not of us. But you have been anointed by the Holy One, and you all have knowledge. I write to you, not because you do not know the truth, but because you know it, and because no lie is of the truth. Who is the liar but he who denies that Christ that Jesus is the Christ. This is the Antichrist, he who denies the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Father, no one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever confesses the Son has the Father also. Let what you heard from the beginning abide in you. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, then you too will abide in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that he made to us eternal life. I write these things to you about those who are trying to deceive you, but the anointed, anointing that you received from him abides in you, and you have no need that anyone who teaches you, but as, as his anointing teaches you about everything and is true, and is no lie, just as it has taught, as it has taught you, abide in him. There we go. <laughs> Give it up for Steffi. Well, good morning, church. I got to tell you, I didn't know what to do with myself this morning. We had eaten breakfast, brushed our teeth, showered, and it was all before 7 (laughs) o'clock. My goodness, this hour change. Uh, But if you don't know me, my name is James. Um, I'm on staff here at the church, Um, work with uh, students and families and small groups. And so if you're new here and are just interested in finding out about the vines, maybe specifically some of those things, would love, 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 love to chat with you and uh, get to know you. Uh, But we're going to continue in our uh, series of 1 John. Uh, As you know, Zach and the team are in North Africa. Thank you so much for your prayers as they minister. Actually, I think they're in France, right? Uh, ministering to the team that is in North Africa uh, just for a week of retreat and renewal. Um, According to Zach, it's going very well and look forward to hearing some updates when they get back uh, next week. Um, But today, uh, as we continue in 1 John, I want to talk about um, the idea of being left behind, about being left behind. And we just heard Steffi read this passage. And so, uh, you know, there was talk of the end of human history. There was talk of this rise of like antichrist. And so some of you, if you reading of like end time literature, like stretches back into the 1990s, may think I'm talking about the book series, right? The Left Behind book series or, or, or films with Kirk Cameron, right? I, I'm not talking about that, though. I'm not talking about that. I, I'm, I'm talking about us, the church, those who profess faith in Jesus. I'm talking about Christians. Christians that have been left behind. What do I mean when I say that? Well, a few different things. First, 
by and large, I think we're seeing an increase in this, that we're being left behind our culture. The Christians are being left behind our culture. There's a, there's a widening of values between Christianity and that of our culture. I think increasingly so, Christians are seen less as like morally good for our society and more as potentially harmful or backwards for the good of our society. We've been left behind culture. But, but secondly, we've also, as Christians, we, we're being left behind our denominations. We're being left behind our denominations. And over the past 50 or 70 years, we've seen a lot of our mainline denominations uh, playing catch-up to our modern world and her values. And there's been this overwhelming shift as we look at our denominations that are rejecting God's word as her final and uh, uh, full authority when it comes to life. Embracing cultural values over God's values. We're being left behind our denominations. We're being left behind our culture. And perhaps most acutely felt by most of us in this room is that we're being left behind individuals. We're being left behind by individuals who used to walk closely with Jesus who no longer do. We probably all can think of a pastor or a a Christian influencer who once professed faith in Christ, but now who is denounced or maybe deconstructed their faith. That that, that list is growing long, tragically, isn't it? And reflecting my own life during the formative years of my faith when I was at college, many who helped keep me a Christian, many who fought sin with me, they were in the trenches with me. No longer are fighting sin, but they're celebrating sin. Christians, we have been left behind, haven't we? Do some of you resonate with that thought today? Being left behind. And I don't know about you, but it's 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 unsettling to me. It's unsettling. It's one thing to be the early adapter. There's a certain kind of courage to it, right? To be the one on the cutting edge. To be doing or thinking something before anyone else. But there's nothing brave or courageous about being behind the curve, is there? About being the one that's the slowest to catch up. About being the one that's left behind. It's unsettling. And being left behind, it provokes fear and anxiety. That's why that book series, it's a New York Times bestseller, right? Being left behind, it questions belief and purpose. It induces at time perhaps just apathy or withdrawing. So so let me ask the question today is, is, what does God have to say to Christians who've been left behind? What does God have to say to Christians who have been left behind? And we have the the passage up here already, and if you have a Bible, I encourage you to flip open or turn on. We'll be in verses 18 through 27 of 1 John chapter 2. And in our time of 1 John, we've discovered a few things, right? We've discovered that this is written by the Apostle John, and that he is writing to a, a troubled church. And in our passage, most clearly, the fundamental issue troubling this church surfaces. We're able to see it. And it's a church that's been left behind. It's a church that's been left behind. 
We see that there's individuals once professing Christ who in some way have returned to the church with this new and distorted understanding of who Jesus is. And they're trying to persuade those still within the church to follow them in this new belief or thought of who Jesus is. In our verses today, we see John, a seasoned pastor, an elderly saint, a man who loves Jesus. And he responds to this troubled church. And let's not forget that John doesn't just possess like this abstract understanding of who Jesus is. John was a real life witness to Jesus. Don't forget that. He, he ate with Jesus. He talked with Jesus. He had this like real life relationship with Jesus. So what does God have to say to those who have been left behind the faithful? John knows because he learned from Jesus and he's teaching us in this passage. And John has two messages for us this morning. First is a a message of warning. A warning to alert the church then then and us now of this real and present activity of antichrist. So there's a warning, but secondly, there's a promise. There's a promise of eternal life to those who remain in Jesus. There's a warning and a promise. Let's pray again. Jesus, we come to you now. And again, on this Sunday, I ask that you open your word to our hearts and our hearts to your word. Lord, we need you. Lord, would you, by the power of your spirit, clear any distractions from our minds that we may see you in these words for us. Lord, we desperately want you this morning. In your name we pray, amen. Well, that's our direction this morning, a warning and a promise. How's that sound? A warning and a promise. Let's start with a warning, a warning of Antichrist, chapter, or verse 18. He says, children, John loves the church. This is like a grandfather. Children, it is the last hour. Again, we got to hold up. Like, okay, is this literally the last 60 minutes of human history going on right here, John? Does that still apply to us today? Because that's like a long time, right? That's 2,000 years now. But I think to understand John's intention here is that we have to take into account all the other New Testament authors who have this chorus of of speaking in one voice of that when Christ entered our world, that it was was called the last days. Such as this, there's there's many references that you could look up to, to, to see this, but in Hebrews, the author says this, long ago and at many times, in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, Jesus. Or if we go to Acts chapter 2, it says this. But this is is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. And in the last days, it shall be, God declares, that I'll pour out my spirit and all flesh. And so John is joining this chorus of emphasis of last days. That is the days post-Christ on earth to, to even push perhaps further down on this idea that we're in the last hour of the last days. And he he says that it's characterized, this last hour, by what? This last hour is characterized by something. Verse 18, children, it is the last hour. And as you have heard, that Antichrist is coming. 
So now many antichrists have come. Therefore, what? We know that it is the last hour. We know it is the last hour. Why? Because John says right there in verse 18, because many antichrists have come. Man, into the world talk, antichrists, come on, let's go, right? <laughs> this is good stuff. And certainly much speculation has been offered in this identification of the Antichrist, hasn't there? It seems every generation throughout history has been certain in attaching this label of Antichrist to either a political figure or an ecclesiastical group. From way back then to like Nero, to the Serinthians, to the Arians, to even Hitler, to Joseph Smith, to Jehovah Witnesses, yes, to the Pope. And I've heard to Obama, to Trump. Throughout time, talk of the Antichrist has continually churned this great speculation. Who is it? But if we look at verse 18, it, it, it does, as we read it, it seems that John does have an understanding. He says, as you have heard, that Antichrist, that's singular, is coming. It seems that he has an understanding of a singular antichrist, future-oriented, who is coming. And I think all of us in this room, myself included, all have questions of who or what that might be or look like. Such as, is this also the beast that we see rise out of the sea in Revelation 13? What about the man of lawlessness in 2 Thessalonians? Is, is that also the antichrist? The man of lawlessness who will exalt himself as God. Is this all yet still future, or has some of this been fulfilled? These are fascinating questions, right? Like, giddy up, let's go. But ultimately, these are all questions completely out of line with the emphasis that John has for this church. And we want to stay on the line of Scripture. We want to stay on the line of emphasis with John to understand what he's actually saying it's not that there's a future Antichrist coming. That seems in some sense to be maybe settled between John and this church. But, but the emphasis is this. You've heard that the Antichrist is coming, but so now many Antichrists, plural, have come. But many Antichrists have come. This is like, bing, 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 alert, alert, the red light is going off. There are antichrists now present and active in your midst. And John knows this because he heard with his own ears Jesus talk about this. This is in several gospel references, but in Matthew, Jesus says this. This is from Jesus' own lips. He says, many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ. And they will lead many astray. A few verses later, he says, false Christs and false prophets will arise and show great signs and wonders so as to lead astray, if possible, even the elect. Therefore, as, as John was, was warned and taught by Jesus, it seems like John is now warning and teaching this church, saying that there, there's going to be ones who come and oppose or distort the person of Jesus, these false Christs. And if these antichrists were present in the first century church, I don't have any doubt that there's also presence of antichrists 
now in our time. But this leaves us with the question of what is an antichrist, right? What is an antichrist? Well, John doesn't leave us in the dark. He gives us some ideas. Look at verse 19. John says they, in reference to Antichrist, they went out from us. And I understand us as the apostles. John's talking about us as the apostle group. That they went out from us. So the Antichrist went out from the apostles, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that it might become plain that they are all not of us. So, so the first thing that John says about the Antichrist is that they are, they're not from outside, but they really are from within, right? They're, they're ones that, uh, in some sense, profess Christ. They were of us, or they, they went out from us. But evidently, over time, they, they showed that they never truly uh, possessed Christ. They professed him, but they didn't possess him. And there's a big difference between those two terms, as we shall see. But secondly, we see in verse 22, if you skip down a verse, verse 22, is who is the liar? But he who denies that Jesus is the Christ. This is the Antichrist. He who denies the Father and the Son. And no one who denies the Son has the Father. So translation, an Antichrist is someone who distorts the person of Jesus, either in his humanity or in his deity. And no one who denies the Son has the Father. An Antichrist is really this Christological rebel. They're a liar. They're distorting the fullness of either the humanity or deity of Jesus. And finally, John says in verse 26, he says, I write these things to you about those who are trying to deceive you. Antichrists are active. There's an activity of attempting to deceive the Christian to a new teaching, a new understanding, a new knowledge, albeit a corrupted and distorted one. And so this is a picture of what we have of what John says when he speaks of an Antichrist. Is that it's someone who formally professed Christ. They're Christological, they're a rebel. And they're active agents of deception. I like how one commentator just summarizes this and says, The Antichrist does whatever it can to diminish Christ and substitute other views or persons for the true incarnate Son of God. The Antichrist does whatever it can to diminish Christ. We've done a great job of sensationalizing this term Antichrist, haven't we? And maybe sadly for some of us who are hoping we're getting into some, um, some end-time viewpoints, there's honestly nothing really new here for us today. Not much of newness is happening in our text. In a lot of ways, John is just using this title of Antichrist really for a false teacher. As, as one who is opposed to Christ... Which if you think about it, if you think about the, the actual word of Antichrist, that's what it means. It's someone opposed that you're anti-Christ. 
And this has been going on ever since the garden with the serpent, hasn't it? So from John's warning, let me give you just three points of application. Number one, do not be surprised. Do not be surprised. For antichrists have been at work for a long time. And in God's sovereignty, he allows this infiltration of deception. One of the last verses that that John writes in chapter 5, in verse 19, he says, The whole world lies in the power of the evil one. The whole world lies in the power of the evil one. We presently live in a time where deception will be spread. Therefore, Christian, do not be surprised when you see it. Do not be surprised when individuals or denominations or whole cultures leave you behind. For our world, John says, lies in the power of the evil one. Do not be surprised. Secondly, live every hour as the last hour. Live every hour as the last hour. As John is teaching that we live in the last hour of the last day, the time is short. The time is short. King Jesus is soon to return. I mean, how might our lives be different if we live with that 24-7 perspective attached to our life? That our time is short. That Jesus is soon to return. How would we prioritize our, our time? Spend our money? Talk to the lost? Live every hour as the last hour. And thirdly, warn others. Warn others as John has warned us. For as we see as Jesus taught and warned John about those who'd infiltrate our churches and deceive our people, John is teaching and warning the same thing. Therefore, Christian, today, we need your faithfulness in warning and declaring this truth. For there will be many wanting to deceive us with bad doctrine and theology. We need your voice, especially to the new or or young believer, especially to the kids back in Next Gen right now or the, the students that meet on Sunday nights at the basement. As a dad of three, like I plead that we do this together. And my, our kids would know truth and not be deceived. This is one of the reasons that in youth group this year, our, our, our study is, is called Know Why What You Believe. Know Why What You Believe. We want students right now to dig deep faith foundations with an ability to discern uh, any counterfeit or opposing claims of Jesus or faith because we know that they will be confronted with it. We want them to be able to discern what is true. I get fired up talking about this because this is eternally damning issue. Antichrists are actively at work. Who are you warning? Warn others as John warns us. Live every hour as the last hour. Do not be surprised. But not only does John give the church a warning, he gives a promise. John gives a promise, uh, really an assurance of eternal life to those who remain in Jesus. 
assurance of eternal life to those who remain with Jesus. And as we've covered, this is what the church needed, assurance, as one's being left behind. I mean, nothing can rattle you more than thinking that perhaps you're missing out, right? That perhaps you actually got it all wrong, that that I'm living in error. And wasn't this the foundational method by which Satan used to deceive Adam and Eve in the garden, to shake their assurance of influencing them in such a way that they'd believe unless they'd eat of the fruit, they would just be missing out on God's absolute best. This shaking of assurance, it, it happened in the garden and it happens today in our churches too. There are many who will make superior claims that make you wonder, am I a Christian? An example might be that unless you speak in tongues, you're not experiencing the Spirit of God. Wouldn't that shake your assurance of faith? Potentially? Have I missed out? Do I know the Spirit? And we believe here at the Vine that speaking in tongues is very biblical but not the singular evidence of walking in the Spirit or knowing the Spirit. But it's these like similar claims of of being superior of this deeper or more or profound experience of God that that easily can shake our assurance of, do I know God or am I missing out? Has your assurance been shaken before? I, I know mine has in several ways. But this shaking of assurance is exactly what's happening in this troubled church. That false teachers, antichrists, have entered with this superior claim expressing that they've received a new revelation, a new understanding, a new knowledge, leaving those remaining in the church like, have I missed it? Have I missed it? So what does God have to say to the Christian left behind? He's got some awesome words of assurance through John. Verse 20, John says, but you have been anointed by the Holy One, and you all have knowledge. I write to you not because you do not know the truth, but because you know it, and because no lie is of the truth. In other words, every spiritual provision has already been given to you, Christian, You are secure. And we're not just talking about pastors or elders. We're talking about every follower of Christ. When he says, you have been anointed, that you is y'all, it's plural. Meaning you don't need formal theological training, that's good, but you don't need it. You've been given as a follower of Christ every provision to discern and withstand any and all deceptive advances of Antichrist. How do I know this? Because of the anointing. Because of the anointing. Verse 20. But you have been anointed by the Holy One. In our culture, we we love to anoint individuals in my context, a lot of athletes like LeBron has been anointed as the next great one. Or we do this with musicians or actors or even politicians. If we anoint them as like the next great thing that's going to be in our culture. 
In the Bible, when it speaks of anointing, it has to do with setting a person apart for a special purpose. And when we look at, especially in the Old Testament, of anointing, it was for the chosen few, just for the priests or the prophets or the kings. It was these who were the ones who were anointed, set apart for a special purpose. Do you know what the name Christ means? The anointed one. The anointed one. You see, all three of these offices, priest, prophet, and king, were fulfilled by Christ, the anointed one. And now all those who come to faith in Christ share in the same anointing. Are you with me? So, so let's ask the question, well, what does this anointing accomplish? What does this anointing accomplish? Paul echoes John a lot by saying this in 2 Corinthians. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, he says, And it is God who establishes us with you in Christ, and has what? Has anointed us, and who has also put his seal on us and given us his spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. You see, our anointing, it gives us possession of the Holy Spirit. Possession of the Holy Spirit. And what is the result of possessing the Holy Spirit? And this is where knowing that John is a witness of Jesus is super fascinating because Jesus talked about the ministry of the Holy Spirit, right? And so we can go back to the Gospel of John as John heard it. If we go back to John chapter uh, 16, and I'm going to go find it because this is so cool. John chapter 16, this is Jesus talking about the Holy Spirit. John chapter 16, verse 7. He says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I did not go away, the Helper, which is the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And what does this Helper do? Verse 13. When the Spirit of truth comes, this is Jesus talking. John's there. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into what? All truth. When the helper comes, he will guide you into all truth. And so what is the result of possessing the Holy Spirit? Is that you're guided into truth. And so that's what John is inferring when he says in verse 20, but you have been anointed by the Holy One and you all have knowledge. I write to you not because you do not know the truth, but because you know it, because no lie is of the truth. You have the Holy Spirit, Christian, from God in you, so you know the truth. Therefore, you're not missing out on anything. John adds in verse 24, He says, let what you heard from the beginning abide in you. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, then you too will abide in the Son and in the Father. What John's saying is there's no need to set off in this pursuit of believing something new that perhaps these antichrists are wanting you to pursue. What John's saying, if any pastor or or teacher comes to you to add to the truth, which you've already heard from the beginning from us, from the apostles, our eyewitness testimony as we've heard it and as we've taught you, disregard it. It's simply not true. 
You don't need anything added to what you've already heard. There's no secret revelation you need to possess. You already have it because you possess the Holy Spirit. Therefore, you have all truth needed. The possession of the Spirit guides you and I into all truth that guards us against deception. The possession of the Holy Spirit guides us into all truth that guards you and I against deception. This is the anointing. And all who come to faith in Christ share it. Antichrist will rise. Alert, alert. Antichrist will attempt to deceive you. Like, alert, alert. But you have something far greater. An anointing of the Holy Spirit and truth. Therefore, John says, remember your anointing. Remember your anointing and abide in that. For as you abide, as you remain, you find what? Verse 25. That as you abide, this is the promise that he made to us eternal life. Eternal life. To remain with Jesus, to abide in the Holy Spirit is an assurance of eternal life. Why should we Christians be content in being left behind? Why might we be content when culture leaves us behind? Why might we be content when denominations leave us behind? Why might we be content when individuals leave us behind? Because a day is soon coming, John says, Back in chapter, or we did last week, a day is coming where the world is passing away, and with it, all of its desires. But, John says, something will remain. Something will remain, whoever does the will of God. Whoever does the will of God abides forever. Therefore, don't let those who speak for the world antichrists deceive you. Don't let those who speak for the world deceive you. They will try and it will look good. But Christian, remain with Jesus and you will possess eternal life. Well, from John's promise, let me give you three points of application. In this long and I think kind of confusing narrative or text of John, there, there's two imperatives that John uses. The first one is in verse 24. John says, let what you heard from the beginning abide in you. Let what you heard from the beginning abide in you. I think that's just to say, let God's word abide in you. Let God's word abide in you. Love the word. Live in the word, pray the word, memorize the word. Let God's word abide in you. And the second imperative is in the last half of verse 27. Where John says, but as his anointing teaches you about everything and is true and is no lie. And just as it has taught you, abide in him. Abide in him. I think that's to say, abide in the Spirit. Abide in the Spirit. Listen to the Spirit. Be convicted by the Spirit. Be guided into all truth by the Spirit. Abide in the Spirit. 
And my third encouragement is, doesn't make any sense in English, I don't think, but I just said abide means abide. Abide means abide. I'm trying to say that we are never as Christians not to abide in the Word and the Spirit. Bible teacher John Stott summarizes these verses so well, just saying this simply. Endurance is the hallmark of the saved. Endurance is the hallmark of the saved. It's not enough to say that we once believed the message of Jesus sometime in the past. It's necessary that the message of Jesus continues to be present and active in our lives. For who rejoices in the runner who starts the marathon but never finishes the marathon? We run with endurance the race that is set before us. Knowing there will be antichrist to distract us. We run with endurance. We abide. We allow God's word to abide in us and we abide in the spirit. What does God have to say to Christians left behind? He first says, yeah, there's going to be antichrists who oppose Jesus in perhaps various ways. But they will pass away. And secondly, he says, be content to remain with me, with Jesus. For in Jesus, there is eternal life. I just want to encourage you this morning, wherever you're at in your journey with Jesus, that remaining with Jesus is worth it. That remaining with Jesus is worth it. Beginning with Jesus is also worth it. If you haven't started out. Do you believe that today? Do you believe that remaining with Jesus is worth it? Ultimately, that's John's message. I'm becoming more and more convinced as I read through 1 John that in this short book of 3,000 words, 24 times, the command is to remain. Remain, remain, remain. King Jesus is coming again. And when he comes, every Antichrist, the Antichrist, will be overthrown and put to death. And John, at the end of our Bible, describes the new heavens and the new earth. And let me close, and let me just read to you these words, the description that John sees. It says, And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, This is when Jesus is coming, new heaven and new earth. Heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man, and he will dwell with them. And they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain any more. The former things have passed away. And behold, I am making all things new. Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. Remaining with Jesus is worth it. Let's believe that together as a church. Amen? Jesus, we do just pause right now. And confess how glorious you are. 
Lord, we long for this day to come where you are presently with us, where there are no more tears or pain. Lord, we thank you and praise you for your life, death, and resurrection. Lord, I pray for our church and the churches here in Madison, as we think about our partners in North Africa and Ecuador, for their churches, Lord, may we not be deceived by bad doctrine or theology that makes less of you, Jesus. But Lord, we pray that you would instill in us to be a faithful people that upholds who you are in your fullness of humanity and deity. Lord, while we await this final day to come, Lord, would you build in us perseverance and endurance individually and collectively that we would withstand deception and deceits of the Antichrist, alluring us to the things of the world. Lord, will we stand strong, convicted, as we abide in your word, God, as we abide in your spirit, God. May that be true of us as a people. Lord, help us, we pray. We love you, Jesus. We thank you for this reminder of this text. It's your name we pray. Amen.